You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do. It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. I think what you're trying to ask is uh, why am I so insistent upon giving out to them that blackness, that black power, that black pushing them to identify with uh, 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 black culture. I think that's what you're asking. It's, it's, I have no choice over it. In the first place, to me, we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world, black people. I mean, and I mean that in every, every sense, uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So, again, I think I've said this before in the same interview, I think, uh, sometime before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Latrice Ross, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Latrice. Thank you, Queen, for being with me this morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you? Uh, sounds good. Sounds good. We also have a special guest on with us this morning, returning guest, recently returning guest at that, uh, Vaughn, the love alchemist. Vaughn, thank you, King, for coming on with me this morning. If you will, say hello to Latrice, to the truth seekers out there listening. And if you will, give a little, pe- give people a little bit of your background before we let the cat out the bag on this morning's discussion question. Good morning, family. Thanks for the invitation. Good morning, Latrice. Uh, I am a relationship uh, mastery coach as well as a men's health and wellness coach. And I've been married for 31 years. And I um, basically, I just, and it started out as a hobby, but I, I enjoy uh, helping couples to master their relationship. And I enjoy also helping men level up and reach their fullest, fuller potential. No, I love it. Perfect. Um, as well, Latrice, if you will, go ahead and give a little bit of your background because you are a, a queen of many talents. Uh, but um, some of your, some of the things that you focus on and specialize in also will be great input for this morning's discussion. So give people a little bit of your background as well. Who knows? I, I think um, we got a bad connection, Latrice. <laughs> it was going good. Well, let's, um, let's okay, do a Okay, let's have, let me have you call back in and going in and out of just starting. Okay. So you were good, clear earlier. Okay. Call right back in. Mm-hmm. Okay, Vaughn, I'm going to go ahead and give you a chance at this since you've been on the show before. Uh, we're going to keep this real simple. Uh, oh, she, if I get it back in, I'll let her. She'll just call right back in. Um, but I always start the show wanting to know when I called you to basically say, hey, here's this morning's you know, discussion question. Matter of fact, let me get Latrice back in. Let's go ahead and get her background, then we'll go back to the issues. 
All right, Queen, let's see if we can go ahead and give you background again and see if it's coming through clearer. Sure. Is that clearer now? It's in and out. I don't know how this just started. When I talked to you before the show, it wasn't going in and out. I don't know what that is. Is that better? Yeah, it's better now, whatever you're doing now. Or if you're doing okay. anything different. Um, yeah, you're coming through clear now. Awesome. Go ahead, Queen. Okay, great. So first I want to say thanks for having a relationship coach on who's married successfully for a number of years. Don't see that <laughs> often, so kudos to you. Um, a little bit about me, I'm a diversity and inclusion professional, diversity, equity, and inclusion professional. I've been doing that for about 12, 15 years, and um, my focus is on um, equity for historically excluded groups in the workplace. I work with leaders to help them become more inclusive. I work with talent acquisition departments to help them put together strategies to um, the talent pipeline for those historically excluded groups. Um, and on a personal level, because I'm a black woman, I'm, in a, a, I'm really in a, a disruptor and, I guess, social justice advocate for all things black and woman, if you will. Now it makes sense. And at the end of the day, um, for those that don't know, I always keep a, a, a queen to hold me down for every show. She's part of our Queens of Intellect. So Latrice is on the rotation holding me down, and they're all intellectual beasts, as I like to say. And um, so you'll see her, that dynamic as this show goes on. But to get this show started, Latrice will start with you. Uh, when, you when I called you last night and said, hey, can you fill in tonight? You say, what's the topic? And I said, all right, Nick Canning. Is it a man? Is a man spreading his seed detrimental to the black community? What was your first initial thought? Not the second thought, but just the initial thought. This dude again. This really <laughs> the initial thought. <laughs> um, but then when I, I really thought about the whole topic, um, got past the name, I thought this would be a. a a very um, important conversation to engage in in our community because I have certain thoughts and beliefs about um, how we can begin to improve our economic standing by how we um, spread our seed, you know, how, how black men spread their seed and how we build our families, if you will. I love it. Vaughn, um, again, thank you for answering the call uh, to be on this morning's show where you heard the title worded the way that it was worded. What was your first initial thought? Yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting because, um, you know, we were just having this conversation on my show the other day uh, about Nick Cannon. And so, um, yeah, it, it's really something because there are a lot of people who think that money, you know, because there's a lot of money involved, that that is an adequate substitute for um, the presence of fatherhood in the home. So since Nick is rich, you know, and the children will be well taken care of, the, the women, the mothers will be well taken care of, that that's an adequate substitute um, for the lack of presence, full-time presence. And um, it's just it's a very flawed way of, of thinking. It's a flawed way of approaching fatherhood in particular. Now, I respect it. So, yeah, you were dealing with this as well. And I would like to even just kind of point this out because, to be honest with you, um, Nick Cannon fell into my lap. Let me explain that real quick before we go to our first break, and we'll come back. We'll open up the phone line so those out there listening, y'all can get in on this morning's discussion as well. But, um, and a lot of people don't know this, but I'll share this. So 
So some people will say, well, how do you come up with all your topics every week and things of this nature? And the reality is, as, as I'm perusing and reading the things that I'm reading and seeing things that happen in the news to a degree, I'm always kind of generating questions because for those that don't understand, we always do our show in the form of a question. Again, I go by the name Black Socrates. So it's kind of the Socratic method or approach to different subject matter. And uh, we look at it as simply as if you ask the right questions, maybe you get to, in a sense, the right answers. Not that we're telling you, you know, what to do or anything of that nature, but it's just a matter of us exploring dialogue, asking questions, learning from each other, and people picking up seeds as they see fit in their own lives. Because I definitely, uh, the goal is not for you to think like me. Again, our goal is, is all that, you, you know, all I ask is that you, all we ask is that you, is that you think and it's just basically being able to think for yourself and find your own solutions to your own issues if, you know, in a sense, if you have issues or just want to progress. But um, back to this discussion this morning, um, we, I've been wanting to deal with is a man sp- spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community? Is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community? And one of my other queens of intellect sent me a cut that we're going to hear a little later. She had sent it to me a week and a half ago. And we were like, and I was like, we got to turn this into a show. So I say this, and two days later, Nick, Nick Canning is announcing his child, possibly, unfortunately, not too, only a couple of months after losing his, um, you know, seven, seven child to brain cancer. So obviously, we were already looking to do it, and then the universe always lines up, and Nick Cannon is kind of a touch point, if you will, to. Like Lutri said, there's a bigger conversation than just Nick Cannon. But we were definitely open, go to a converse, go to a break, and we will talk about, in a sense, Nick Cannon, if you will, but this show is not just about him. It's the bigger, broader conversation. We'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. JT, jokingly advised Cannon to use more protection. I'm having these kids on purpose. Okay, so if you have them on purpose, then f- what I'm saying. Okay, so if you have these kids on purpose, then it's nothing I can tell you about your life. Because I don't want nobody telling me f- So just Talk be you. the best you. Talk your f- uh, <laughs> what, what is it? Some advice for me. She told me have fun, but wrap it up. If I, Trust me, there's a lot of people I could have got pregnant that I did it. I, I, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but just have fun. Cause the, ones have fun. That got the ones that was supposed to get pregnant. <laughs> Um, I think that Nick has a different perspective on life because of his health, and I've said this before, um, and some people got mad at me, but he has a very different perspective on life. Like, Nick has lupus, and um, he has a very life-is-short mentality, but in a very profound way. And I know that he wants kids, and I think this is, this is again, it's, it's his decision. It's on purpose, 
And the fact that it's on purpose, like, we should just leave him alone. You know what I mean? It'd be different if it was accidental and he was just getting lots of random girls pregnant and we we're hearing on the, on the news. But these women decided as well to have these children with me, with him. And I think that um, it should just be, that's his life. Like, leave it alone. She knew what I was about. I never hid anything. I never lied. So now that, you know, we have a child together, it's almost even a, a super healthy relationship to be able to be like, all right, you know I'm out here with wilding with all of these chicks and however and not even un- not taking anything seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I take our family seriously. I take our child seriously. So she gets to see two dynamics because I'm never going to lie. I'm never going to front. Like, I see a lot of these dudes on, you know, Shade Room or Wendy Will, all this stuff, and they're getting caught up and baby mama's arguing. Like, I'm never going to have to deal with that because, I'm a straight shooter. Like, yeah, I, no I cannot imagine uh, Brittany and Mariah getting into a fist fight yeah, in a like, parking it, lot. Like, I, I, can't even, I can't even comprehend that. Like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a real dude. Like, I'm going to be like, look, this is what it is. And I'm never going to lie. I'm never going to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. So right, yeah. that's kind of where we stand. There's going to be hair pulling. Or... <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Toya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our special guest is Vaughn the Love Alchemist. This morning's discussion question, Nick Cannon is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community as we hear various takes on Nick Cannon as well as hear Nick Cannon himself. Latrice, you being the queen of this morning, we'll start with you. Um, just based on what you're hearing, anything that popped in your head to get us started on this morning's discussion, if you will. So the first thought, honestly, was that he should be in therapy, um, as I heard that clip, because it's such a, a, a lackadaisical approach to something that's so serious. You're bringing human life into a very um, – a world that's in such disarray. And while you are very wealthy – you have a career, and do you have the time to impart the things from an emotional and a parental level that you should be imparting into these children? I, I don't think that he does, and I think the example that he's setting um, is a poor example, particularly when you look at our community and how it's been torn apart and how and what the black family being torn apart has done to us from um, from a from various perspectives, from a mental well-being perspective, from a how to, knowing how to love each other perspective, and from an economic perspective. Um, I think the message that he sends to impressionable people is the wrong message. All right, fair enough. Uh, Vaughn, I'll throw it over to you if I could highlight a couple of things I heard in there and just kind of, kind of get your thoughts specifically on these and you can add to it as well. Uh, but I heard him say, hey, it's a, a healthy relationship, you know, based on him being straight up. And I can recall in my early 20s, you know, my mother was really on top of me about necessarily not, you know, bringing children outside of a marriage as, as something that I followed throughout my life. But I definitely remember similar to what he said, of course, obviously he's has the means and, and obviously has eight children or, you know, has fathered eight children, if you will. But the one thing that stood out to me is I remember in my early twenties, I kind of lived by this, I'm a straight up dude. And I thought that that alone was all that mattered in me navigating my relationships. And it sounds like that's still a very big part of his edit 
And I say that simply because um, kind of how he highlighted, I'm not like these dudes, it's not being straight up. And I remember I carried that as, as if that's all that mattered in how I dealt with someone, and I hear that same thing in Nick. I don't know if that stood out to you, but it definitely stood out to me. Your thoughts, King. And for a caller, last three, one, one, three, we will get you in here in a, in a few minutes as well. Go ahead, Vaughn. Yeah, I, I agree, first of all, with uh, what the sister said before me. I agree with what she said completely. And to your point, yeah, th- those words did catch me. Um, honesty isn't necessarily accuracy. You know, and, and honesty isn't necessarily constructive. And when you look at, just to kind of piggyback on what the sister said, when you look at what's required to produce healthy-minded children, we know that statistically uh, the healthiest-minded and most successful children, generally speaking, come from homes where the mother and father, the biological mother and father, are in the home with them during their upbringing, during their rearing during their formative years. Uh, so, and so just when you look at what, or when you consider what our community is experiencing with excessively high rates of single parenthood, particularly single motherhood, and combined with uh, fatherly absence, teaching these children, who's handing them the tools of healthy relating as it pertains to men? How are they how are the young females going to learn how to organically relate to men? How, how do our daughters learn to appreciate interaction with a man who wants nothing from them other than to see them win, other, anything other than to see them be successful? And, and I'll juxtapose that with our young males. How are they going to learn um, to be men except they see men? you know, on a consistent basis, not, you know, daddy's flying here, flying there. Like, we, these are things that we need to see. And then, and then you hear things like, you know, well, since I have the money and the means to show up, you know, whenever I want to, that that'll be enough. But, I don't know, for those of you who have raised children, you know that on the day-to-day basis, you need to see your child because there's an energy that you pick up on. There are vibes that you pick up on when they're in your presence that you can't pick up on, on the phone necessarily, their facial expressions, et cetera. So 90% of all communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. So seeing your child every day and your child seeing you every day is critically important, and I don't think he'll be able to offer that to, to each of those children. I would almost have more respect for it if he were doing it in a more communal sense, you know, where they were right. at least all living in, you know, the same house or same area where you could interact with them every day on a healthy in a healthy way but uh and I say almost <laughs> but but yeah I don't I don't think this is good at all you want them I don't know if you're familiar with you want them like Country Wayne who done bought his big mansion and got all the kids living together <laughs> If you know, if you know exactly. about the exactly. way, who did you know figured it out? Exactly. They start out that way, but he finally got them all. You know what I mean? So to a degree, at least like you said, he's able to see them, touch them, and he's actually involved daily in their raising. So I definitely respect that. Let's go to the um, caller. Exactly. For the other callers out there, if you're trying to get in, you have to press one to let us know that you want to speak. If you're online, the number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. The caller just came off of one. I don't think you did that intentionally. So, um, you, okay, there we go. Got you. 
Uh, this was actually another caller. So the last caller, just so you know, you missed the you, – you, you don't come off the one. I just lost you in the queue. All right, so I'm going to go to another caller. Area code 870-LAST-3328. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Good morning, everyone. This is – my name is Sabrine Sudan Jolly. Um, I'm currently in New York City. Um, I was, I'm enjoying the conversation, uh, first of all. Um, I'm not too familiar with Nick Cannon, but I have a kind of um, a basic understanding of what is kind of going on in his situation. So I actually like to build on uh, the queen and king who just spoke. I absolutely agree. I do think that there needs to be some healing that needs to take place, possibly therapy. Uh, not only that, um, it, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword with me. One, because I believe that in nature, men are biologically polygamous. And I believe that, um, and, and so when it comes to that, I, I don't necessarily see a, a problem fully with it. Um, and, and by the way, I am a person who does believe in monogamy. Uh, however, I believe that men are in nature are um, polygamous. However, I do agree with the fact that there needs to be a more communal uh, situation happening. One, because I do know, having had experienced it, um, the effects of not having both masculine and feminine energy in the household at the same time. And, of course, we do uh, live in a society where, you know, women are on a more um, independent, I can do it. Well, I'm a firm believer in that just because you can do it doesn't mean that it's going to be the most beneficial thing for the child, not only from personal experience, but uh, I also teach. And so I'm able to see firsthand the, the types of uh, the, the mentality, the, the, the development the developmental issues that take place in children and, of course, grow into adulthood without having that, like, balance of that. So I'm not saying that, you know, I'm sure that Nick Cannon has been in his children's life, you know, financially, but that's only a portion of it. Children need to see uh, both parents working uh, together cohesively. And so I believe in terms of just being there, I don't think that it's a good situation. However, the sexual aspect of it, um, I, I don't fully see a problem. Um, I think that it's a situation that I have to do a little bit more research on and understand exactly what the situation is. But um, yeah, it, it needs to be some sort of, of balance for sure. Nah, thank you for your uh, three cents, beautiful three cents. I'm going to let um, Latrice and Navon get on what, in what you're saying. I'll just say a couple of things to give a little context. Um, for, yeah, for some people, some of my regular listeners like yourself may not know a lot about Nick Cannon. As we mentioned, he's fathered eight children. Unfortunately, he lost one, as I mentioned uh, recently in, in December, to a five-month-year-old um, five, uh, five to brain cancer. Uh, but in the last two years, he's fathered three children to include the one that he lost and again i'm not making a judgment there just kind of giving that context and um latrice but i'll let you um start first with uh, what sabrina had to say let vaughn get a thought we got another caller as well but thank you queen for your three cents this morning thanks much for thank you sabrina that was i agree 100 percent with what you said and you know when you said that men are biologically polygamous dr esther perel in her studies actually confirms that um, 
but when I think about um, the relationships, and one of the things that Nick Cannon said was that the relationships are healthy, but are they really? Um, they may not be fighting in the streets, but are they emotionally healthy relationships? Are these folks, are, there, are these women, is their mental well-being being taken care of? Um, because there is so much of that, and, and, and wealth does not allow one to escape being mentally unwell or emotionally unwell. Um, and even to his point, you know, the part of the reason that he's doing it is, you know, they said because of his outlook on, on like, life is short. I, I, would, I would actually dare say that there is some, some, something unwell about his reaction to having um, a chronological mm. illness. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm, I believe 100% what she said. I mean, as a teacher, she interacts with children day in and day out, and she sees the impact um, from an educational perspective, from a behavioral perspective, um, what happens to these children. And when you think about the children that he has and when they go to their private schools or whatever, how are they going to interact with the other kids knowing what his father is putting out there and what he's saying. You know, I, I can't see that being emotionally healthy for his children as they grow older. Uh, fair enough. And I'll paraphrase a, re- a quote talking about that and seeing life is short. Um, you may recall, um, was it within the last year and a half? I don't want the time frame was maybe a little less than that. But, um, you know, Nick almost lost his life or whatever. At the time, it was the rumors, you know, around whether it was COVID, things of that nature, but it was um, related to something else. And um, he was quoted not too long after they're saying something to the effect of, um, I might die tomorrow, so why not have these children? So, so that you know, just to speak to that point that you just made, um, Latrice. Go ahead, um, Vaughn, your thoughts on Sabrina. Uh, we got a couple other callers, so let's see if we can make it quick and get to these callers as well. Uh, yeah, the, the caller said something that was very profound that, that I think oftentimes gets overlooked, that, and it's that children need to see healthy interaction between the mother and the father. And that sounds so simple, um, but but it, it, it's heavy, you know, from the standpoint that when we look at how our men and women are interacting today, it's clear that the overwhelming majority of them have not seen or experienced a healthy mm. interaction between mother and father. Uh, and then the last part um, that I want to touch on was that even though men may be biologically polygamous, um, without a solid cultural structure, we're also biologically destructive, right? And so it, just think in terms of mm-hmm. there's an, a study sense. that was done on ele- elephants and men. I don't know yep, if you guys are familiar with that, but I'm familiar with just to make yeah, a long story short, yeah, for, for the listeners who may not be familiar, it's just a study of how of what happens when you remove the uh, adult male elements from the from the pride and the younger male elephants become extremely and excessively destructive to the point where, and violent to the point where they're harming the, the uh, females of the tribe. They're also of the tribe. They're, they're harming um, the other, they're, they're harming all the females of the tribe, adult and young. They're also harming other animals, uh, rhinoceroses and other animals that are in the vicinity. They, they become extremely destructive. And, and you can see, um, that playing out in our community right now with our young males not having guidance and being excessively destructive. So um, I, I'm, I'm in there. No, it makes sense. I always say, um, 
Well, we're born males. Manhood is not natural. It definitely has to be groomed and taught. Let's go to the next caller. Area code 414, last 3048. I think this is... What's happening, King? This is... You. My mommy. I thought that was my mommy. How you doing, Queen? What you got for me, Mom? I just want to... Um, Come in on all the callers they're doing the, i I like the comments what they're saying about Nick Cannon because yeah that is he he need therapy seriously he need therapy he need mm-hmm. yeah that's all I wanted to say enjoying the comments and the callers now nah, thank you thank you ma appreciate you for supporting your son but appreciate you very much we're gonna go to another column my mom will always be looking in and calling in when she get a chance. I always appreciate that. Love Next, that, I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Mom's got my back, for real, for real. Uh, we got another caller, 661, last three, 362. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Alrighty, hi. So this is Ty from California. And so I just had, like, a, a couple of three cents or like maybe like a couple of points. Okay, I, so I let me do this. Um, let me do this. Since you have a couple okay. of points, let me just do this real quick. So I'm going to sit you through our next cut and then have you come out of that cut. So I just re- realized, since you, I, cause I don't want, I, you know, Ty, I love when you call in, and I don't want to cut you short this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and go okay. to a cut and then come bring you out of that cut. All right, okay. y'all, we are up against another break. So we're going to go to this break. We're going to have a cut. I'll have both of y'all comment on the cut, and then we'll get tied back in on the discussion as well. All right, for anybody out there listening that's on the call, you have to press 1 to become a speaker. If you're online, the number to get in is 646-787-1691. Again, you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? While this is a question most people never think to ask themselves, but when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Mondays, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach. Ashley Thomas, and psychotherapist, Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. Men cheat because women don't know how to satisfy. The reason why men cheat is because they did not uh, practice abstinence in their young years and monogamy in their adult years. See, the average man, they get their first piece around 11 and 12 years old, and then they want to get buck wild for the next 20 years. Then when they think they found the one and want to slow down, then then they're not satisfied because they're used to variety and not monogamy. For years, you would hit, hit it one or two times, and then you're ready to move on. Then you expect to cut, just cut that off. 
Not to mention that we have such a long sexual resume to where this woman can never please us because she's competing against your memory. Come on, fellas, you already know every time you have sex with a new girl, you com she's competing with your old girls. She don't do it as good as Linda. She don't ride it as good as Faye. You have a long list of who can do what the best. And now you're breaking her back trying to please you when the fact is y'all supposed to be pleasing each other. So the reason why you're having so many problems out of your present is because you wouldn't restrain yourself in the past. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, Nick Cannon, is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community? Our special guest is Vaughn, the love alchemist. We also have caller Ty on the line, but I'm going to let y'all jump in on that cut because that is the reason we were having this show. Uh, one of my other queens of intellect member, Elisa Word. Uh, sent me that, and I was like, we got to turn that into a show, and as I said at the beginning of the show, Nick Cannon just so happened to fall in our lap, and again, this show is not in particular about him, and I do um, understand Nick has always been an advocate of, of, of therapy, and so he has mentioned that, you know, even his situation, he's always in therapy about it uh, as well, just to even point that out, since I do, you know, know that information, um, but let's jump into that cut. Vaughn, I'm actually going to start with you when you hear that, because it was just a unique perspective um, that even made me think, because because here's my reality. I'm willing to admit this, you know, having started that young, unfortunately, at 11 years old and spending 20 years doing my thing and, 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 and you do start doing those comparisons. And so it's like, you know, is that actually a factor in trying to find satisfaction? Uh, what are your, what's your perspective in hearing that cut? Um, if you will, King. Yeah, I started at 12. So I'm, I'm right there with you. And, um, you know, but but it's a testament to the fact that we have uh, very unhealthy ideas and very unhealthy aspirations toward what we think manhood is, and that's mm -hmm. because manhood isn't something that it's not a title that's just given. It's a title that's to be earned. That's the purpose of rites of passage in our old cultural ways, right? But that's that's sorely missing, and so now we just meander into, or I should say, wander into what we think manhood mm -hmm. is. And we often have some very unhealthy uh, benchmarks as it pertains to what that looks like. There's a uh, an old proverb. I love the proverbs and the African proverbs. It, um, by Patahotep, he says, if you are one who fails through the lust of women, then no affair of yours can prosper. Well, wow. I'm going to say that again because I think yeah, a lot of brothers do. miss that. That's a good one. If, if, you are one, if you are one who fails through the lust of women, then no affair of yours can prosper. Wow. And so most of the time uh, what it comes down to is that men cheat because we lack discipline. We lack guidance. We lack structure toward what healthy manhood or masculine ideals are. And so ultimately we don't realize that when we're cheating, we're cheating ourselves. I'll land there. Latrice? Very profound. Um when when I heard that, and, I, and of course I, I'm not a man, I can't think about it from that perspective, but something stands out to me. Years ago we were doing um, one of the Mental Dialogue live experiences, and you actually played, a, I think, a Kendrick Lamar cut where he said that he'd been to many funerals but never a wedding. Yeah, Wale, the artist Wale, yeah. uh-huh, I remember. And that, and that stuck with me because when you really think about relationships, how many, if you're growing up in a single-parent household, how many times have you seen healthy, loving relationships? 
And, um, you know, I often ask people when we're talking about relationships, who taught you how to love? And oftentimes they'll say, nobody. I learned myself. I figured it out on my own. How do you figure out how to love somebody on your own? Because love involves two or more two or more people nowadays. But you know, we we Great have to be question. really mindful of what we are allowing our children to see. And what you know, when you bring all of these uncles or aunties into their lives, that's not healthy. That's not teaching them um, the framework for building healthy relationships. And I think that what we see is the end result of raising children in a household where they are not being raised with two parents um, in a healthy manner. And I, and, I, and, I, and I emphasize healthy because having two people right. in a dysfunctional relationship can definitely do more damage. But Absolutely. I think it's important that we, we learn that we have to teach our children how to engage in healthy, loving relationships so that we can begin to have better outcomes. Now, let me highlight this before I bring Ty on as well, just because you mentioned it. And another other aspect when you said, because I love, again, asking the right questions to get to the right answer. When you said, you know, who's who, who, who shown you how to do this? Where have you seen it? And one aspect of this, because, again, this show is not about Nick, Nick Cannon and judging him, if you will, is obviously bringing us to the bigger context and the bigger question. So another thought along those lines, Latrice, is the idea for our community to really get a perspective on how celebrities is really nowhere to look for anything, uh, in a sense. Mm-hmm. They, they live very differently. And to be honest, who are we to, in a sense, Judge Nick Cannon, especially if him and those women have agreed to this situation, which to a degree sounds like it has. They have. And so I'm just trying to kind of point out the other aspect is uh, without that type of training, without it being done within the home, we have to be very keen and aware of the fact that myself included, when I was young, we learned a lot from the celebrities that we could see every day. And it's the absolute wrong place to look to anything because their lives are so far different than the rest of us um, would ever be. And it's really not a measurement, but we use it as a measurement. So I just want to throw that out there as well. well. I'd like to add one more thing. Yeah, Um, please go ahead. You know, that's very important, and I actually, in my initial statement about the, Nick Cannon, I said about, you know, there are too many people that are impressionable that are watching him. Um, yes, but yes. to that point about teaching and who's teaching us, when I was married, and I was married for 25 years, when my, um, my mom passed away and I went to my hometown with my then husband to make the plans for my mom's um, homegoing service, my uncle under the guise of showing him around my hometown, actually was encouraging my husband. Now, this is my uncle. My mother's brother was taking my then husband around town and pointing out women to him saying, hey, I'd like to hit that one, Um, trying to encourage him to cheat on his niece Um, because his thing was, well, she's gained a little weight over the years. But my uncle was trying to take my husband and encourage him to cheat. So there's an older person from a previous generation taking someone from the next generation who's married to his relative and encouraging him to cheat. So that's the kind of guidance that we have being passed on in our community, and it's detrimental. Now, thank you for sharing that, Vaughn. Let me let you speak on that before I bring Ty on real quick. You know, just 
to the point that I was making earlier. We have some very unhealthy ideas about um, our aspirations to manhood. Is it how many notches I can get on my bedpost? Mm-hmm. Is it how fast I can bust him in the face for stepping on my, my Jordan Warrens, right? Is it how, how many trinkets I can wear, how, how much gold, how much jewelry I can wear, how fly I can dress? We, we have, unfortunately, very unhealthy and not only unhealthy but destructive ideals and aspirations towards manhood. And very rarely, or I should say not common enough, do we have ideals that are centered around family and and being and, and building and growing with one woman. Even if even if you want to throw in the idea that we are biologically polygamous and that we should have multiple wives, I'll rock with that for just for the sake of this example. You should still be building and sustaining something harmonious with within that family structure, not out here wilding out. And most of us just aren't getting introduced to these types of ideas, uh, unfortunately, until it's way too late. Nick is forty-one, and this this cat is still running around doing things. He sounds when I was listening to those kids, he sounded like a, a grown-up teenager. Now, like I said, I can remember thinking that way at eighteen, at nineteen. Thought I was, like you say, I love that yeah. comment you made earlier. Truth is not accuracy because I had to learn in my mid twenties. Me just being honest, still was laying waste to people's lives to a degree, even without them necessarily feeling that way because they respected the honesty. You know what I mean? But then when I look at it and realize that ain't enough, that was something I had to mature into. Luckily, I didn't have children along the way to to have a child's life ruined, you know, in a sense, while I was running around with that, as you just said, teenage mentality, thinking that I was, you know, better because I wasn't lying to women like some, you know, some other men I would see. Uh, but let's bring Ty on. Ty, is a, uh, she's called in before. She's amazing. So I hope she'll stay on with us for a while because I know she'll have a lot of amazing perspectives. But I'm going to go ahead and get at least she probably has more than two thoughts now. But let's go ahead and get you a couple of your thoughts in, Queen. If you have more, we'll keep you on. Go ahead. Thank you for um, being with us this morning. Of course. Um, okay. And, and so I guess for, like, Nick Cannon, um, like, just – I acknowledge the whole lupus thing. And I think for me, I'm just a really firm believer of, um, I think when people's mortality comes into question, that we naturally seek out life source. And I think that that life source is procreation for a lot of folks. And so I think for me, I try not to kind of like put the judgment there with him because I feel like, okay, you know, okay, I get it. But then extending it to other parts of the community, um, I wonder if that's also the case with a lot of other folks, too, because I've heard men say, like, I didn't know if I was going to make it to the age of 18. You know, people would tell me that I'm going to die sooner than that. And so sometimes I, you know, you know, just using you know, mm-hmm. Nick's example, I wonder if mm-hmm. that can be extended to other people in our community to where mm-hmm. a lot of our young men don't have this concept that they're going to live long. And as a result, since, you know, that mortality is coming into question, you know, now let me seek out life source, and this is a part of procreation. Therefore, at, at, at some point when people see my child, they know that I once was here, wasn't here for long, but I was here. And so I think one of those strategies kind of can be within our community to start looking into how can we start building a long-term perspective within within a lot of our kiddos. Um, how do we start getting certain teachers out of the classroom who's basically saying, you're not going to make it, or certain language out of our vocabulary mm-hmm. to where it's very destructive? Um, right. you know, you know, how do we you know, rechange that 
rechange that narrative because I'm a firm believer what we speak of the tongue um, does come into fruition at a lot of times, and we have to really work on that mentality. And I don't think that it may be at the forefront of you know of people's minds mm-hmm. of okay, I'm about to have these kids, so um you know because I think that I'm not going to make it to 18, but I do think that there is some type of association there. Um, I think my next thing is I remember seeing. Well, let me, let me video, jump but, in on that because that's oh. deep. That's deep. And we'll keep you okay. on for your next one. Um, and we're about okay. to go to break, too, so let me kind of transition that as well. Um, but I love what you're talking about because I can, I definitely recall um, having people, coworkers and associates that I've heard say the very thing, and some of them were, quote, unquote, in the streets, and that was their thought process because similar to what Vaughn's saying is because we have these unhealthy viewpoints of what manhood was, so for them, having a seat was super, super duper important, but they were, you know, they had learned the manhood, similar to the elephants, very destructive out here. And so their perspective was, I got to have seeds because they didn't think they were going to live long. So that is absolutely a very vital point that I definitely want to hear Vons and um, Latrice's thoughts um, when we come out of break. So I'm going to put you in the queue and bring you back on, Queen. We'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not, is not a game. Trading is a practice is art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young, burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. He was married most of the time. Jay-Z, he, he stepped up. Swiss Beats. Magic Johnson, know? Michael Jordan. Magic Johnson, yeah. Michael Jordan. Like, yeah. I mean, these men have, because if you're just constantly rotating women in and out of your life on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, like, it's going to create a level of chaos in well, your life. Well, think it's about hip-hop culture, on what you're, Hip-hop culture don't allow you to embrace what you're speaking so highly of. This is a mis- right. mis- is You don't uplift the woman in hip-hop culture. You don't say... Yeah, we don't, we don't love them hoes. Yeah, you like, don't write no songs about your for wife. Hip-hop. You don't write no songs about my wife. You don't praise your wife. You don't praise your woman in this mm-hmm. hip-hop culture. So when the young boys say, look at our bitch, so the young boys don't know how to court anymore. They don't know how to mack. They don't know how to sit on the phone and talk sweet with the love songs playing in the background. They don't know how to drop a love let off passing in the hallway anymore. It's flash your penis. Say, what that head like? What that mouth like, baby? So the music have taught us you don't get no wife. You don't get a wife. Man, you get the hoe. You have a party and let the rap man so... You, you, the playerism is embraced. Mm-hmm. 
But when you look at all of these guys from Snoop Dogg being with his high school sweetheart, uh, when you look at all Easy E was married, all these men get married Mm -hmm. at some point. They get married. Because yeah. they e- realize E forty E forty is another guy who, Man, who's done very well successfully. Very well. Married married the whole time. So uh, Mike Tyson. Every time Mike when Mike yep. Tyson's not married, he's off the men. It gives him <laughs> right. something, right? So yeah. me and you discovered this late in life. What if we taught this early in life? What if we taught this fresh out of high school? Say, man, be looking for you a partner. Be looking for you a partner. Somebody you can partner with. Stay out of them relationships and get with you somebody you can partner and build a partnership with and then see how that goes. But we keep jumping from relationship to relationship to relationship because we want to feel good about something. We want that feeling. We want to be loved or we want to love something to cover up something. We never learn the value of having a partner. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our special guest is Vaughn the Love Alchemist for this morning's discussion question. Nick Canning is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community. So we listened to a cut from Charleston White on Vlad TV, really laying out a lot, kind of really um, transitioning from what I call it. Ty said that I, when she was just talking about um, looking at Nick Cannon specifically, um, having a perspective to, in a sense, create life because he's worried about his own mortality, if you will. And she mentioned, which I thought was excellent, the idea of the language that we use so that, in a sense, young men maybe don't embrace that approach because I do agree with her. And, again, I've seen it firsthand where somebody says, hey, I won't be here. I must procreate. Now, unfortunately, as, as Vaughn was mentioning, it doesn't include the long-term, how do I take care of the seed? It's just more about having the seed. And we hear it somewhat in that cut from Charleston White where he's saying, hey, let's catch them in high school to, to give them a, the perspective about what partnership looks like because that's going to have to be a language and something that's taught because we can't put the, put the milk back in the carton now where people are going to go up in functional, healthy homes, that has not been the plight of our community, unfortunately, in general. And so now it does require the dialogue of how do we address, how we speak, what do we say to these young people while up against uh, a, a constant message. Because I grew up, and I've said this, I've written about this in my, in my upcoming book, we was the we don't love them hoes good generation. We was raised with that. I say we, my generation specifically is the first generation that while, while men being so in their wild oats has always been a part of the culture and all part of human history and natural, as we said, well, we were the only generation that was raised with what you just heard as a consistent message. And whereas when I was younger in my mother's generation, there was balance and there was a bunch of music about being in relationships and being in love, this generation gets a bunch of music about sex and having as many people as possible, and you see it on both sides of the um, aisle, if you will. So I know I've said a lot there. Um, Latrice, I'm going to bring you in first and um, go to Vaughn and get Ty back on as well. So first of all, Ty, I think her perspective was definitely on point, very valid, um, and I, I 
say that because when I would do career days, I remember speaking to a young man who was a senior at one of the local high schools here in Atlanta, and I was asking him about his career aspirations, and he's like, for what? I'm not going to be here. They're going to kill us all. And that stuck with me. I actually went to my car at lunch break and cried, and, and I vowed I would not be doing career days anymore because for me to see young folks have that um, mentality of my life is pointless, it hurt me. But I hadn't thought about it from the perspective of um, procreation. And I think it is that it may be that mindset of that I'm just here for a short time. And we begin. we have to begin to instill the language of, you know, that creates a long-term vision because you procreate this life, but then you're, you don't focus on nurturing and cultivating a, a healthy life for that life that you've created. And I think that we're seeing the fallout of that. And Charleston White mentioned catching them in high school. It's too late at high school. They need to mm-hmm. grow up understanding and learning this language. You just can't interject this new language at 14 or 15 and they've learned all this damaging stuff up to that point. That nurturing needs to begin at birth when they begin, the way that you talk to your child when they're infants and the way that you guide them and, and, and nurture them as toddlers and beyond. Um, every black person in this, in this society should be in therapy. Every black person who is a parent should be in parenting classes, learning how to nurture healthy children. And that is one way that we can change the dynamic that we're on. But we disparage therapy. We think that it, it means that we're, we're, we're less than, and we need to stop that and recognize that our mental well-being and emotional well-being is tied to the outcomes that we experience in life. And until those things get healthy, we're not going to be able to cultivate healthy relationships to set the example for our children. That's why we have to hire people like Vaughn. Vaughn, give me your three cents. I'm going to let Ty get her next thought in. Then we've got another caller as well. What she just said was was so important and so profound. I, I hate to keep saying that, but, I mean, the sister is, is, is so on point. And, and as I'm listening to Charleston White uh, and, and the different things that he was talking about, I mean, like we have so many of our young men, and, and you can attest to this, Montoya, we, as we were growing up, that pimp whole culture was advertised to us and many of us we didn't even see pimps as the enemy of the state like we you know we we would greet each other like what's up pimp you know what i mean like like it was yeah yeah, we've done a show we've done a show particularly entitled yeah um you know why do we embrace pimp culture like we've done that show on this show you know some years ago but go ahead king and so when you think about how so many of our women are disgruntled right now, just just think about how between the drug dealers who assist women into becoming, you know, crack whores, which produce crack babies, and, and then the pimp culture, so many of our men aspire to be the very force that destroys the community. So how do you then expect women to respond to that other than to say, well, I don't need no man because, hell, look how you're showing up. Right. So as I, you know, when you were on the break, I I was talking to my wife. She's listening to the show now. And she said, I'm so glad you don't cheat on me. And (laughs) this is my wife. This is my wife was 31 years. And I I told her, I looked in in her eyes and I said, you know what? I said, that's true. I said, but equally important is I don't cheat on me. Right. Because cheating would literally undermine what I have in my relationship. Now, some guys might say, oh, man, you're a simp, you know, all you do is cupcake and, and give your wife, you know, whatever she asks for, et cetera, et cetera. 
man, I my wife will literally do anything for me. There is damn near nothing that I could ask her to do that she won't do. I said this when I was on the show last time. And most of the things that things that she does for me, I don't even ask. I don't even know I want until she actually does them. So I'm saying that to say this. Um, there's a why to that. A large part of why she does that is, is one, I do take care of her. I do give her, you know, the things that she wants. But equally important, she's emotionally fulfilled. You see, and, and so this is a, a, a symbiotic relationship. And so when I try to convey this to uh, a lot of men, because of those aspirations, those unhealthy aspirations that we talked about earlier and the pimp hole culture and, and, and the, the drug dealers and, and all of these unhealthy ideas we have about masculinity, um, when, I, when I share these ideas about how to maintain a symbiotic and harmonious relationship with a woman, even though I can present to them a shining example of how you can get from your woman any and everything that you want, they still look at me as, no, there has to be a better way, as if somehow you can take from a woman consistently without pouring into her. And, and that's one of the primary tenets of manhood. It's about service as much as it is about anything else. And, and unfortunately, our young men are not being taught how to serve. Nah, strong points, man. And and Charleston White, at the end of that cut, he basically breaks, broke down while we're out here doing it. Because at the end of the day, it's we're chasing what you have. We just don't know that. Because like, if you heard at the very end what he was saying, we're out here going from relationship to relationship, trying to find, in a sense, he didn't say it exactly like this, but in so many words, in a sense, the love we never got. In, in, you know, because not having both of those energies in the home quite often. There's something that's always that always to a degree goes missing, and you end up chasing it. I've been that man. I know about that. Uh, let's get Ty's last thought in um, before we go to the top of the hour break. All right, Queen, thank you for holding your patience. Go ahead, Queen. We got a couple of minutes, so if you could kind of get it out quick, we may have to talk about. Oh it yeah, I'll, out of the I'll be I'll be I'll be super quick. Um, I, I think my second thing is even though I acknowledge that um, you know it's like a maybe a mortality thing with Nick. Um, I noticed that he had an interview. I think with Doctor No 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 DJ Vlad in which he pretty much said, I guess around the time where Lori Harvey was dating Diddy, um, basically that he would feel like he failed as a father if Lori was his daughter. Um, I guess with, wow. I guess maybe with like the age gap thing. And for me, I think that it's kind of interesting because I wonder what tone is he setting for his own children, specifically his daughters, um, in which you can be a man of means, but that does not mean that that equates to full fatherhood. And nah. if oh, sorry, you, oh, sorry, sorry. No, 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 um, no, 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 you, no, 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 the same type of women who are attracted to you because you are a man of means, even though they know your track record and they know that the legacy that they're really producing for you is going to, you know, it's not, they're not going to get full fatherhood in a way. These women are also going to raise your daughters. So what are you really, what are you really creating out here? You know, what are you, you know, you know, what is your legacy truly going to be? So that was a nice day sense. <laughs> Hour, um, and that's something that you you know if you're if you like you said if you're short term thinking you might might not be thinking about but long term it's definitely something that 
in a sense, any of us that are going to be responsible for bringing children on this, in, you know, bringing children into this world should be thinking about. So great question, Ty. Really, really appreciate you, um, um, Queen, for your thoughts this morning. No, of course. Thank you, guys. Bye. All right, y'all. We are at the top of the hour. Um, last three, 913, make sure you press 1 if you want to get back in. I saw you were in the queue, um, and then you came out. In, so if you want to get back in, make sure you are pressing 1. For anybody online that wants to get in on this discussion, call us at 646-787-1691. Again, you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies' gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. Everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. A woman has to be tilted towards mercy. That's how it looks to me. Right. And especially during, it's so important during the, especially the first year when children are so unbelievably vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very difficult for women to be merciful like that and to make the shift to encouraging disciplinarian. I think that's a very difficult thing for people to do simultaneously. Although, you know, people, people, I'm not saying that women are always only merciful and men are always only encouraging disciplinarians, but things do sort themselves out to some degree like that. And I think also the biochemical transformations that accompany pregnancy and childbirth and, and lactation also tilt a mother towards that as well. Right. Yes, it really loves that little thing, right? It's, it's number one, no matter what it demands. And, and then telling it what to do and making sure it's behaving properly, that's, that's a whole different issue. Now, but the kids who lack fathers, I mean, first of all, they can find that to some degree in their friends. Okay. And that's often what fatherless boys do in particular. They, they, they go into gangs. Mm-hmm. And they generate the missing man masculinity in the gang. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not so good because, like, what the hell do they know? Yeah. They, well, they don't know anything, right? Mm-hmm. They're just stupid kids. And they're, like, 15 years old and their testosterone is pumping and they're trying to get the hell away from their mother, which is what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And... And they're not in the right position to exercise any authority over themselves. So mm-hmm. that's, that's not good. They can find it in education. They can find it in books. They can find it in movies. They can find it in sports heroes and so forth because the image of the father is fragmented and distributed among the community. Okay. But it's very, very difficult to not have a father. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-hosts, Patrice Ross, this morning's discussion question. Nick Cannon, is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community? Our special guest is Vaughn, the love alchemist, as we hear a cut from Jordan Peterson breaking down his perspective as he's kind of highlighting, in a sense, the, the roles, as he said, kind of play out. 
of in the sense of um, you know a, 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 a young child being so dependent, and so in a sense, a mother has to be tilted towards mercy because it's a full time job meeting the you know meeting the needs of that child. And what he's highlighting, just to kind of give some more context to that to that cut, he's highlighting that in the event that there is no father in the home to be the in a sense the in, 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 I thought I think I'm missing the term, but he was saying the encouraging. Basically, he's just talking about the transition from being merciful, having to cater to that child's needs, and basically having a second person play the role of encouraging disciplinary, I think is the word he used. And he said that tends to fall into the roles. And a woman can do all of those things, but it's very difficult when you've had to meet the needs and then turn around and tell this person, in a sense, this is how you should behave. So it just helps when two people are there. And as he concludes, it's very difficult without a father. Vaughn, as our special guest, I'll, you know, kind of let you um, continue because you kind of stole my thunder when you brought up the elephant uh, example because I knew I was going to play that cut where he highlights exactly what you were saying at the very beginning of the show. So go ahead, King. Yeah, man, and I think you should still play it too because I think it's still, I think yeah, it's point worth absolutely, absolutely. reiterating and driving. Um, I was watching a uh, documentary the other day. It's going around. It's been out for decades, I think, but there was a uh, documentary where, where some young women were being, they were single mothers, and they were being questioned about the necessity of having, of being married and having the fathers in the lives of the children. And um, like I said, it's several decades old, but for whatever reason, it's resurfaced and now it's going around again. And these women didn't understand the the value of that. They didn't understand the uh the necessity of having a father in the lives of the children. And and there are a lot of women, of course, who, who don't understand that and, and they um they downplay it. And, but it's a coping mechanism. So some there are there are people who are using that to show, see these women they don't need us. They don't they don't want us. They think they can do it without us. What they're what they're missing though is that it's a coping mechanism. It's a defense mechanism, a response mm-hmm. to um things not going the way that they were designed to go or the, or according to the way she intended things to be at the time that the child was conceived. So to Jordan Peterson's point, um, nurturing isn't just meant to be done by the women. There is a such thing as, as feminine nurturing as well as masculine nurturing. And so when you have these children being reared in these environments where the mother is being the encourager as well as the supporter or whatever, I forget the term that he used, but the mother is actually encouraging, encouraging disciplinarian is the word. Yeah. Encouraging disciplinarian. And, and even though she's capable of both, there is a feminine, uh, uh, feminine disciplinary role as well as a masculine disciplinary role. And then, and then there's also an uh, encouraging uh, feminine encouraging as well as masculine encouraging. And these are, this is the importance of the, presence of a mother and father in the home, the symbiotic relationship, the complementarity-based relationship that is required to rear healthy-minded children. And again, we're missing these things, but I appreciate that Jordan Peterson post because these these women are, are, are stepping into roles to kind of compensate for the absence of the father or the underperformance of the father. And, you know, there's a myriad of reasons for that. I'm not just you know, crapping on fathers for not being there, right? But the point is that he's not there for whatever the reasons are. And and his absence um, demands that she step up and 
try to compensate, and in many cases, she tends to overcompensate, which ultimately even that deprives the child. So uh, I'll have that in there because I could go. No, I like I like yeah. that, and I want to I want to really dig in on that real quick because because I have a, a a YouTube page, a Middle Dollar YouTube page, and one of um one of on one of the videos is how can men how can we end the gender war, and it's a you said it twice. And so it's it's really music to my ears because I, I probably did that post maybe six seven years ago maybe longer, and I highlighted the one thing that that you're pointing out right now, and I want to reiterate it especially for just any men listening in some you know and it's not that men have it all wrong or whatever, but like you like you pointed out the idea of men that may look at a documentary like that or see these examples of, uh, like you said, even women who say, I don't need a man. And we stop it at, see, they don't think they need us, like you said. And what I've highlighted in that video, and you've kind of reiterated it here, and that's why I love it so much, is when you say it is a coping mechanism and a response, we never think about what it is a response to, and it is simply what you just said. It is a response to, to a degree, them being raised in environments where, in a sense, the men were not there. And as you said, it's not to crap on men because it's various reasons why that historically played out. But I don't, I don't care about the blame portion of it. But we have to be honest about the reason women could even get to that space. They were put in a situation where they had to do it themselves, and now they have a version of doing it themselves that, in their minds, it's okay. And it's okay. Some people would call them wrong, but to your point, Vaughn, it's okay because they didn't see the healthy version to even know that there's a better way. So humans, by nature... Humans, by nature, we are going to survive. Humans, by nature, we are going to address, adjust to the circumstances that we have. And so plenty of mothers, like my amazing mother, does a wonder, did a, a wonderful job with what she had. I turned out okay, and because I turned out okay, we stamp it as it's okay because we don't have the actual better model to compare it to at this point in our community, because like you said at the very beginning, and, and you're going to hear another cut from Jordan, P- Jordan Peterson who highlights this, there's no data points that ever point that these other family structures are equivalent to just having both men, the woman and man around. Nothing compares. Like Latrice said, if you have two bad parents together, that's just as bad, if not worse. So we're not encouraging just having two parents, but I'm just really breaking down. We are uh, uh, normalizing things because we haven't seen the better version. Latrice, please jump in. We got another caller as well. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I want when um, you stated the response mechanism, I actually started writing because I was actually going where Montoya went. That so many women um, are in, in in this day and age are of the mind that I don't need a man. And I'm going to say, go back to the cliche that you hear often, that women raise their daughters and love their sons. And this goes back to being raised by a single mom who understands the hardships that come with being a woman and trying to raise a child or children by yourself. And so they, we want to instill in our daughters the strength to be able to endure that should it happen to them. 
But over the years, because this phenomenon started with the Housing Act after World War II and black women were allowed to move into housing projects as black as white people moved to the suburbs because they were able to get to buy homes. Um, but when this happened, the black men, the fathers, were not allowed to be with their families. And so that, there, that was another time when our family began to be broken up, and we've not recovered from that. And so as women embarked on raising children alone, they understood the hardships that they endured as women, and they wanted to ensure that their girls didn't grow up to be women who endured those same things. Present day, we've lost that context of why it happened, and now it's just, I don't need a man. But, you, you know, if we, if we restore that context for why it happened and when it happened and understand that it does not have to be this way, that, yes, you do need that partner to help you, you were raised this way because your mom and your grandmother maybe didn't have that partnership, that collaborative relationship to help with raising children. And so we, they did the best they could. They instilled in you what they thought would be best. But you absolutely do need that, that, that relationship in order for you to rear more easily emotionally healthy children. And, we, you know, and, and I'm no fan of that. The whole strong black woman, woman thing, I'm not a strong black woman. I'm going to be vulnerable. If I feel like crying and screaming, I'm going to cry and scream. I'm not independent. I need a partner to help me. And we need to stop being so hard on ourselves and being hard on our daughters. I shared this with a friend of mine who's battling um, health right now. Her daughter is, in a sense, taking over her responsibilities. You know, while there's a little boy in the house, and I told her, be mindful of that because you're teaching her to be an adult at 10. You're raising her to, to be that strong, independent, not need anybody woman. And be mindful of that, that you don't do that. We do our children a disservice when we instill that mentality into them. And we need to stop it because we create the dynamic that exists now where they are unable to cultivate healthy relationships because they have in this psyche that they've had since they were growing up. Mom didn't need a man. Grandma didn't need a man, so I don't need one either. So the slightest little thing, and I don't need a man, I got this on my own. It's detrimental. Yeah, the language I hear quite often, uh, have heard most for a long part of my life is, um, and this is even in a healthy attempt to move it out of the space of, um, of, of a sister kind of trying to move from the space of being necessarily a strong, independent woman. She, in a sense, she wants to remove that from the title. But what they'll say, it, what they're looking for now is, um, I don't need a man. I want a man. And 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 that's caught up on because the word need is 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 drenched into the concept of dependency. And Vaughn on the last show, I highlighted this. He highlighted, you know, like I'm just going to throw this word out real quickly, is we should no longer use the word submission because it has such negative connotation. I agree with him you know, whatever. But something that Vaughn said today that is, that's beautiful about to go into break that he said today, he kind of just mentioned it, is that him and his wife, they complement each other. The reality is between the masculine and feminine, we naturally complement each other. Therefore, we need each other. So like Ty mentioned earlier as a caller, the things that we say become fruition. So we just need, really need to get away from the language of not needing one another uh, or we don't love these hoes because none of that's true. 
We are complementary and we need each other, and that's the language we need to start using. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Father, we get caught up in like finances. Uh, you know, ain't no kids supposed to need this amount of money to, to survive every month. On, but like to me, like what's mine is my kids. However you break it up, I don't really care. Like you know, if you take take it all. Like you know, like that's just how I view money and how I view like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mess up my household. I'm not gonna mess up my relationship with my kids over some government ran currency. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't care how much of it it, it is. Take it all. Okay. Uh, you got it. But, so anything somebody asking me, yeah, you can have it. So we she's good? never she's never taking to court. There's no nah, nah. you guys sat figured out, okay, this is what you need, this is what I'll provide. Boom. 100%, man. And, and that's it. All my kids and even, you know, if I have more kids, it's gonna be the same way. Like, you know, hopefully and I believe I come from a tribal mentality, man. You should have as many kids as you can take care of. You know what I mean? And really provide for it and be the best provider you could possibly be. So I see it as a blessing. To be able to not only provide for my immediate family but others' families as well. So I'm not gonna sit over here and labor over if you get twenty thousand or fifteen or like it's like nah, whatever they whatever you want. If I'm living a comfortable life, you should be able to live that comfortable life too. If I can wear a freaking hundred thousand dollar watch, then my kids should be in the best of the best. Like it's as simple as that. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, Nick Cannon is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community. Our special guest is Vaughn, the love alchemist, as we hear another cut from Nick Cannon. This was some years before um, having these last three children, if I recall correctly, that particular cut on Black TV as well. Um, but that's a perspective we definitely hear um, quite often of man's of means, and we've already kind of addressed it, but I want to just kind of, I'm not going to say necessarily play devil's advocate, but we got to dialogue through um, some of what we're talking about, because to a degree, we're just we're having a lot of agreement here or whatever, and it's just really understanding and desiring that our community, in a sense, learn, if you will, different language when it comes to relationships. Um, but if I, I want to add, have a little pushback here and just get both of your thoughts on it. And so, I can see exactly why people raised in the hip-hop generation would agree with everything Nick Cannon just said. Personal means, hey, if I'm living good, and especially him as a man of means that's willfully providing, right? Because sometimes you get the, you know, the paternity suits and, you know, some people fighting over it or whatever. So that's not been his scenario. And so he's making sure his children are good. So I can also see how a woman could sign up to be 
you know, the fourth baby mother or the fifth baby mother when when we normalize family structures the way that we have now. So I can see in those mothers, if you talk to them, would probably say they're good with the situation and their things are just fine. I'm guessing. I'm not saying I'm right. But I think it is a fair thought for someone raising this generation that that situation looks like better than anything else that they may have been raised with. So what are your thoughts on that, Vaughn? Yeah, you know, again, just going back to um, one of the previous points that was made, unfortunately, uh, we, we're seeing we've been groomed to think of fathers and fatherhood, uh, and we equate that to what financial contributions he can make in the child's life. But um, you, you and I both know that it, it's much more than just what we can provide financially, Barrett. There's a whole other uh, aspect of of complementary relating. In other words, everything that the mother provides, we also provide just in a complementary fashion. And when I say complementary, for those who, you know, might not be as familiar with that term, just think salt and pepper, peanut butter and jelly, ketchup and mustard. You know, it's complementary in short is, you know, what, uh, what the two of us, form together is greater than, like the whole of what the two of us bring together and formulate is greater than the sum of what either of us could do individually, right? And so um, th- that Well, you ain't say, you ain't say peanut butter and jelly, did you, boy? That's classic right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's ironic because I hate hey, peanut butter, hey, but hey, it's a good analogy, hey, right? <laughs> hey, hey, what you know about putting a little honey in that peanut butter too, boy? That's what you got. Hey, that's that five-five sandwich. That's still the greatest sandwich. In the history of sam- of human history of sandwiches, so so yeah, I, I like peanut, peanut butter, butter. Sandwich, sandwiches. I like jelly sandwiches, but you can't beat a good old PB and J, man. But yeah, but you know, yeah, it, 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 it's a a uh, we've devolved to a point where we're we we congratulate material excess rather than uh, things of substance. You know, we're we're more we. There are many of us who rather see the single mom or the single dad who's flossing and the kids can wear Jordans and the fur coat and the nice little tricked-out car that we can buy them. Like that's a, a more beautiful picture in the minds of many of us than the wholesome family, even if they're living in a one-bedroom apartment, but, they, but they're rearing health, they're, they're putting forth a healthy effort towards rearing healthy-minded children. Our, our values are, are upside down. Latrice? Thank you. Um, I, I agree with Vaughn um, on on what he said, uh, and we do need that that complementary um, partner. Um, when you were talking earlier, before I, I just spoke, and we were talking about the response mechanism, um, you were talking about having that encouraging discipliner, um, and I think because that's missing in our community, um, you you have men who are well equipped to be the disciplinarian, but not the encourager. And so that, because we have that dynamic, that further um, diminishes the relationships that children are able to have with their fathers in a healthy way because every interaction is about discipline. Where's the encouragement? And so perhaps if our families were more stable um, and you had both of those energies, the encouragement and the, the disciplinarian in the same household, 
we might not have the the issues that we have with parental relationships. Um, in the black um, community, there have been reports in the last, over the last few years about the toxic relationship that black mothers have with their black daughters, and that goes back to raising our daughters and loving our sons. So it, everything that we see happening and all the research shows that we need that collaborative partner when we're raising our children. And if we don't figure out how to do that, it's going to be incredibly difficult for us to shift the narrative that we presently have writing itself, scripting itself out in our community. Well, I I hope these dialogues are to a degree the start of it, right? Because um, what we spend most of our time, which is human nature, is we just have a lot of times in, in a lot of situations, especially when there's back and forth, whether it's in the media or even, you know, just even conversations inside the community, we spend so much time arguing over the results that we see, right? And so I think to a degree we're we're starting to touch on the why, and if we start to understand that the why is the result of something, then to me I hope that it is it is a catalyst for us to have better dialogues to say, hey, like 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 the example Bond just gave, you know, a, a single mother with the with the child or a single father for that matter with the you know with their child being able to floss, how how having it in a sense backwards compared to the one-bedroom apartment where somebody's, you know, in a sense together raising their family because part of that includes, because I always want to highlight, and we're going to keep using this word, healthy relationships, because you, you've intentionally chosen someone because you think they, because you think highly of their ability to carry on your legacy. So it's something, which is something very different than having a lustful, loving relationship that ends up in children, but the choosing of it literally, <clears throat> literally is the win. And because we don't have enough examples of it, is why we don't realize that it is a win. Because again, when you start going to the data, you absolutely see, um, you know, why we can, like you said, put a picture up on IG of a single parent doing their thing with their children to a degree. And this is not to disparage single parents at all. It's just, as we said, it's shifting what we see as a win. So while that can be put up on IG and you can see a bunch of it across your timelines, the numbers play out that ultimately the family structure where there's a man and woman involved, wealth-wise, since we focus so much on the money, plays out. They're, 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 They're literally completely different categories on the median for a, 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 a two-parent home or a communal home, again, for those, again, because I'm not judging which one you choose, we're just encouraging that the energies are there because, again, there's not even a lot of wealth in general, despite what you see on IG, in the homes where there's not where that's not the case. And so, you know, that, so again, I just say that this is the, the dialogue is hearing it for the first time because I don't think anybody could argue. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this. And for the callers out there, just press one if you want to jump in on this morning's discussion. I see several callers out there. If you're just listening, no problem. Uh, but the other thing is, we'll hear your thoughts on this. So um, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, just the idea of um, – mm, I really lost my train of thought. So I'm, I'm, I probably said some things. Latrice, just jump in real quick because I lost my train of thought. 
Okay. Um, you know, I think where you were going with, with starting that dialogue, and I do think that mental dialogue does a great job of um, of engaging in this dialogue. And, and I like to take it to the economics because when it gets down to it, a lot of the decisions we make are made out of need for increased capital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we are spreading our seed, we're not, mo- the vast majority of us are not in the same tax bracket as Nick Cannon. And right. so when you're having children in this household, in this household, in this household, in this household, and you have that one source of income, then that one source of income is spread across these four, well, five different households if you include the one that you're in. And that decreases your your wealth because it's spread so thin. If we just take it down to the basics of dollars and cents, find that person that you can love in a healthy way and procreate with them, and you guys come together and you begin to build that economic wealth in that one household while you're raising a healthy family. I mean, if we could just break it, if it, it just gets down to those, that's black and white. At the end of the day, it removes the gray, it removes the nuances that we see. But we have to overcome the programming that a lot of the the racism and the oppression and the exclusion has built into how we communicate with each other. And that's difficult to overcome when we're all trying to still overcome. Um, but I think we as a community have to learn to come together and learn to nurture each other and build relationships, not necessarily in a romantic way, but build relationships with each other where we can encourage each other and lift each other up and be that village. You know, that's what's missing. When I grew up in a small town and, and there was a village, um, if I misbehaved, my parents, my mom and my grandma knew before I got home that I had misbehaved. We don't have that anymore. It's not my business. I'm going to mind my business, but is it mm-hmm. I feel that when I with my with my girlfriends, I am my sister's keeper. So when they're hurting, I'm hurting. When they need encouragement and I can lend it, I try to do that. When they need correction, when they're going off course, it's my responsibility if I'm my sister's keeper to course correct them. So we've lost that sense of village. No, absolutely. We talk about it all the time. You know, at the end of the day, when you had the sense of village, the concept was all these children are ours. That's still a reality for all humans, even though, as you said, we've lost the concept. And so, um, so what we have to do is when we have these dialogues is, which is, again, what we're attempting to do here is, so if you're at a discussion, I'm just throwing this out for anybody out there listening, and somebody says, yeah, we've lost their village, quite often the conversations stop at we've lost the village. Everybody acknowledges the fact that we have. So the next step has to be what does it look like to regain it? And unfortunately, the reason, in my opinion, that we don't want to look into it is because we have this dysfunctional viewpoint of relationships. That's why you have to have a bond out here trying to, again, I'm assuming shore up other people's relationships so they can emulate what he's been able to accomplish with his family. We're actually up against the break, so Vaughn, I definitely want to hear your thoughts coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. For all the success stories that we see in traders, there are countless others, thousands, even millions of others, of unsuccessful people who were wiped out. Again, that money had to come from somewhere. These are the first questions that keep you in the game because, again, what trading is not is not a game. Trading is 
a practice is art and science in a way that if you do it correctly, you can make money. This course is designed to help you as a trader, as a young burgeoning trader, or if you've had some experience and maybe some difficulties in trading, to understand the elements that are involved in what makes trading as hard and competitive and hopefully see some of the success that you probably thought that you would have in the first place. NBA young boy who just had a baby with Floyd Mayweather's daughter, yes. Yaya. He is 21 years old yes. with seven baby mothers. Man. And I, I, I saw an interview with him, and I want to choose my words carefully when I, when I say this. Um, I wish him structure. I hope that his success carries him way into his 70s, that he's able to take care of his children and be good to the parents, because I would hate for him to, um, at 21, hell comes with that, at 21, having that many kids. Well, having that many kids with that many mothers. Yes, hell. And what I got, we got to teach men is, like, I got five baby mamas. Okay, so you could kind of relate. And I wish, and all on everything, I put my hand on a stack of Bibles, that I wish I had five kids with one woman. Yeah, Boosie said the same thing. Because to have a kid there, 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 puts a strain on your body, mentally, financially. Um, the women are raising the children differently mentally. Mm -hmm. And that structure is, should be under one roof that your knowledge are going to all your children. And that's the thing that I wish the most, that it was five kids, one woman. Yeah, I mean, it's really impossible to fully raise that many children in that many households. Oh, it's impossible. You just, you, you can't be in all those places at once. You can't so do So you it. have to divide your time. Yes. And every time you're with one child, there's four others that yes. are not getting you that day. Exactly. And with him, it's six others. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really, a, it pulls you, especially when you try to be a great dad. See, yeah. I try to be a great dad. And I'm quite sure he's probably trying to be a great dad, too. But if you got one baby mama thinking one way, and this person thinking that way, or this person jealous of this not knowing what's going on, it's so much confusion. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, Nick Cannon, is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community? Our special guest is Vaughn the Love Alchemist, as we hear T.K. Kirkland bracelet break down um, his perspective on NBA Youngboy, one of the most popular rappers out right now, one of the, who get, makes definitely makes the most money in the music game. If you did or did not know that, he definitely makes the most money right now currently as far as the rappers go, if you will. And we were kind of coming out the conversation of, of whether wealth was enough. No. And I wanted to just even throw this out and highlight this aspect because this is something that happens too in these dialogues. So quite often, uh, so TK starts out saying, I wish him structure. And then Vlad surprisingly finds out that he had five separate baby mothers as well. And so a lot of times 
when someone has lived out something and they say, hey, here's a better way, we'll, as a community to a degree, we'll reduce it to, well, hey, how, who are you to talk? You got five baby brothers, but as you hear that cut continue, TK breaks down, hey, had, had I, could I have done it another way? I clearly see that another way was better. And so sometimes even through the bad experience, that is a great person to teach you as well. So just I always like to throw that out because sometimes people get so caught up in the messenger instead of the message. And quite often that's a deflection because the truth resonates. And so sometimes our negative pushback is because we want to rationalize our own behavior instead of just getting the message. Bon, I'll let you jump in right there, King. Yeah, I, I agree completely with what T.K. Kirkman was saying. Um, <clears throat> and then the point that resonated with me was how he talked about having all these different children in all these different locations, different baby mothers, different ideologies, different structures, and and then the jealousy aspect, like, uh, and and even beyond the jealousy aspect, um, if you're when you're giving to one, unfortunately, um, with them not being in the same environment, uh, the others are going to be deprived in some kind of way. Yeah, and and again, I'm not just talking about monetary. You can give them all Tonka trucks, but due to the nature of how you relate to the mothers, somebody's going to be deprived because of how the interactions and the energy exchange between the mother and the father. But here, here's another point I want to make, too. Thought precedes action, right? And right now we're in a society who's never had our best interest at heart. And they have defined what manhood is for us. And, and with these definitions, with these ideals that they've given us, that this society has given us, as it pertains to our aspirations toward manhood. Um, an identity belief is the greatest predictor of human behavior. An identity belief is the greatest predictor of human behavior. And there's a few things going on right now in this society. One, we don't know ourselves, right? So with what our identity, uh, with what we choose to resonate with or align ourselves with as far as our identity goes, it tends to be, going back to what we said earlier, um, whether it's the pimps, the hoes, whatever, and then or, or even just these unhealthy ideas about what we have about manhood, um, our identities or our identity beliefs often tend to be incongruent with the types of healthy outcomes that we want. So one of the things uh, I would talk about, how you mentioned before how I changed or how I threw you the curveball about changing the rhetoric. But one other way we we should change the rhetoric, we got to stop telling people that men and women are opposites. We are not opposites. We are not designed to be opposites. We are not designed to be oppositional. We're designed to work together, right? And that's a complementarity-based relationship. I keep reiterating that. I know I'm, I'm beating the horse. Please, but, keep beating but, it. Keep beating it. Keep beating it. We we, Keep beating we it. gotta change the rhetoric, man. We are not opposites. And I'll land there. Latrice. Um, as he was as he was talking about people were saying we are different before he got to the part about complimentary, I actually said we are meant to complement each other. Um and I often talk um about being in a in a in a in a relationship 
where it's about respect and reciprocity and complimenting each other. It's not about one partner submitting to the other or one person being the boss over the other. I think our community gets so lost in that because to what you were saying, um, we are picking up on relationship cues from the power majority, and that's not our dynamic. How are we going to have relationships in their fashion when we don't have the same situation, the lived experiences that they do? And so when we're looking to them to establish how we build relationships, it's no wonder that we're in disarray. And I believe that what we're actually living out is the result of a people who who have been disconnected from our history, our traditions, our true culture. And until we begin to understand that, um, we, are, we may continue down this path because so many of us, so many of what we believe is, you know, we, we go to, um, you know, our religions are, sometimes, are often tied up to the power majority. And so all of these things influence how we, how we live, how we interact. Um, I'm actually doing a speaking engagement next month where I'm actually talking about executive presence and is that allowing people of color to show up authentically as themselves? Um, are we able to really get back to a point, well, first of all, get to a point where we understand who we authentically are and how we should authentically learn to complement each other? And once we do that, perhaps we can, you know, move forward. Perhaps we can get out of this this state where we don't respect each other, when we can't come together. I, I hate seeing the the Kevin Samuels, and I hate reading comments from the divested queens. Um, we are so divided as a community of people, and we're so caught up on who hurt whom the most. We've all, we've all been hurt. We acknowledge that. Can we not figure out how to come back together and rebuild and build stronger so that we can have the type of village that we can raise our children in so they can become healthier, live better lived experiences than we have, and have better outcomes. I mean, that's just what I hope, um, although it's, um, I don't think it will happen, at least not in my lifetime. So I'll challenge the last thing you just said, um, Latrice, because this is, the, this is to a degree the reality that we control and with language being powerful, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree as soon as you hear it. So what happens is, as we say, uh, the ultimate goal, again, we're here every Saturday. Obviously, I want as many people tuning in. Matter of fact, I forgot to say it today. When you're listening to this show and you know that it's awesome, send the link to someone else. Send someone else the phone number. Let them tune in while we're in the middle of this because this is the type of, in a sense, dialogue and work that we're doing every Saturday. Uh, but our ultimate mission is to create a nationwide virtual neighborhood where African Americans learn to trade ideas, goods, and services. And, and all of that happens, but specifically today we're on an idea. And so and the reality is it, it happens in our lifetime amongst this circle that we can touch. It's because of, uh, you know, my association with you and other members, community club members, association with some of the information they've learned from you, Latrice, whether it be on this show or in our live person, in, you know, live in-person um, events, which have obviously been limited due to the pandemic. People are doing that within our circle because at the end of the day, in your lifetime as a human, you really can, whatever you would like to see for an entire group, your reality is you only can influence the sphere of your, you know, your sphere of influence. So I see you do it every day, and I know that it is a fight, but I'll say with inside this community club as people are, in a, in a sense, forced to think 
And then, you know, you and I both know this. Once you start thinking for yourselves, you will find your answer. And so that's all we're really doing every week on this show is just pushing the envelope on paradigm. So I just simply say that to you, Latrice, to say we'll see it happen in our lifetime within this circle, within this community club, uh, you know, again, with the dialogues that we're doing and bringing people in light bomb because we're always seeking out people who are sincere be trying to help our community and we you know and we witness you know marriages and all type of things in the club that that are key to us not seeing because you and i've even said this as much as we talk about these overall problems to the community quite often even like for example when you talk about the strong black woman because you've been on that show and yours you know it's a lot of women might say they don't see these type of men but you always say I get where they're coming from, but that's not my circle. So I simply say that we are able to create exactly what we're looking for within this community club. So I just want to throw that as a thought and give you a quick response before we go to the next break. And I can receive that. You know, I think in our circle we can have that influence. Um, and I guess when I think about that, I, I'm thinking about my legacy, my children, and my grandson um, because I want that for them. No, fair enough. And fair enough. And not, you know, I'm just saying hopefully the work we're doing uh, we can bring that in the fold. We are going to go to the break. And, I, you know, matter of fact, I want to ask you specifically about that legacy within your own family. And I have another question for Vaughn as well. But we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of intelligent radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Are you intimidated by money? Well, this is a question most people never think to ask themselves. But when forced to think about it, many people realize they have unrecognized fears that truly affect how they deal with money. If you want to learn more about money and the fears that keep you from prosperity, join us for Making Money Matter Monday, where money meets mental health with personal finance coach Ashley Thomas and psychotherapist Dr. Katrina Pitt. Every second Monday of the month, find out if you're intimidated by money and what to do about it. To receive a link to this free Zoom event, Please DM the Making Money Matter or the Mental Dialogue Instagram pages or contact 404-604-9477. One of the things that we're doing in our society, which I think is, I think it's absolutely appalling, is that we're making the case that all families are equal. Mm -hmm. It's like, sorry, no, wrong. And there's no empirical data supporting that proposition, by the way. It's much better for kids to have two parents. Okay. Now, who those parents are, that's a whole different issue. But. Okay, and if I could just uh, add one more thing. Um, how would you answer that question to, let's say, a daughter who was raised on a father? Because she would obviously have different ways of finding those fragments of her missing father than, like, a boy would instead. Because obviously they're raised differently. At least they should have been. Well, I think it's the same issue, you know. Okay. I mean... I, th- I think that another danger that emerges, and this is Freud's, of course, famous observation, is that, you know, if, if there's mom and child mm-hmm. or father and child, that relationship can get a little closer than it should. 
And then the lines get blurry and mixed. And I'm not saying that that happens to everyone, obviously, but, mm -hmm. but it's still a danger that, that's inherent in the situation. They're thrust together too tightly without sufficient resources. Okay. And so the responsibility has to be distributed more. And like, I really do think that it's the sign of the degeneration of a society when, that when, when single parenthood becomes anything approximating the norm. It's okay. not a good idea. And, the, and part of the reason I believe that, and, and I think this has to do with the um, overwhelming selfishness of, 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 of modern life, is that marriage isn't for the people who are married. It's for the children, obviously. And like, if you can't handle that, grow the hell up. Ser no, I mean seriously. Yeah, okay. Seriously. Once you, once, you, once you have kids, it is not about you. Period. Now, that doesn't mean it isn't about you at all. But that just seems so self-evident to me. I can't believe that anybody would even, would even question it. Oh, it's been so, questioned. Oh, yes. Well, horrible. I'm certainly aware of that. Yes, it's questioned. It's almost illegal to question it now. Welcome back to the Myth of Dialogue talk show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, Nick Cannon, is a man spreading his seeds detrimental to the black community, along with our special guest, Vaughn, the, Al the love alchemist. So we hear another cut from Jordan Peterson. Um, I, I chose that cut because something that I consistently talk about as we talk about uh, dialoguing through family structure and, 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 and in a sense, um, how can we turn some of these things around? And I always highlight that in the last 70 years, if you will, we've romanticized our, in a sense, family structure, marriage in particular, to the point where we've lost sight and misplaced the legacy aspect. And so Jordan Peterson is highlighting the reality for why humans have connected for 5,000 years and basically even come up all around the world with various structures of how, in a sense, to keep families together because it was about the legacy. And so, um, oh, go ahead, Vaughn. You go ahead, jump in. You go ahead, jump in. Oh, no, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. I was on mute. Oh, okay. I thought you said something. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost finished up anyway. So it was about the legacy. And so what I like to say now is just starting to put in perspective, language-wise, legacy and love in that order. Because I don't want to dismiss the need for love and the desire to love. And, again, you can't put the milk back in the bottle. So because we've so focused on the romanticization of marriages or whatever, you're not going to just put that back in the bottle. And I'm not saying as if love should not be there. I'm not suggesting that at all. But it's literally the equivalent of legacy and love in that order, and we've lost sight of that. We've selfishly focused on love because at the end of the day, it's difficult from what I understand, never having been married. Vaughn, I know you can speak to this, but it's very difficult for two people to, to a degree, can be very difficult to spend a lifetime together. And once you understand legacy, it can play the biggest role in you doing it successfully if you are both committed to that. Uh, you know, again, not to stay in something dysfunctional. That's not what I'm encouraging here. But if that's the focus going in, you have a better chance of pulling it off uh, and it's putting the focus back where humans have always placed it on the legacy. Go ahead, King. Yeah, I'm glad you made that point, man. Um, 
about the challenges that couples have staying together, legacy and love. Look, my wife and I are closer now than we were on the day we got married. Now, people hear me say stuff like that, and they think either I'm lying or I'm lucky, right? But what I, what I want to reiterate is that anybody can do that. There's nothing special about me, man. There's nothing special about my wife in that regard. Anybody can do that. We just don't have the tools across on a, on a broad enough scale to bring that to fruition, and this is why culture is so important. Culture is our first line of defense against insanity, right? Constructive right. cultural values, and our culture has been decimated. And so what we have now is a culture, again, that was handed to us by those who don't have our best interest at heart. And so oftentimes what it means to be black, quote, unquote, what it means to be black is, man, it's trash. Much of, that, much of black culture is, is just trash. I don't even have a better word for it than that. So um, I, I love that clip that you played by Jordan Peterson because, um, I mean, he mentioned a couple really good important things. He talked about how dangerous it is when single parenthood becomes the norm. That's where we are. And for the children, not for the people that are in the marriage. Now, again, of course, it's not. that doesn't mean it's at the exclusion of, of the habits right. of the people that are in marriage, right? It, but it's an, it's an institution for the betterment that was established for the betterment of the children. And then if you're if your if if your values and your your structure is in place, then oh by the way, as parents, you can have a good time too, right? So we have to learn those things. Um, I think also you made a point about the importance of love. I think that's crucial. Um, the need to be appreciated or the desire to be appreciated, that I think that falls in the realm of a human need. We all mm-hmm. want to feel important in some aspect or in some capacity. So uh, learning how to do that, learning how to make each other feel important and appreciated within the context of the marriage as it pertains to the children, I mean, all those things are, are crucial points that we have to do. But I, I just want to reiterate, man, this is why I do what I do. In the Body can have a healthy relationship. We just gotta have the tools. Look, they say they say the right tools for the right job, right? Just because you just because you have two really good people, don't mean that they're necessarily a good fit for the relationship that they're trying to establish, particularly as it pertains to rearing children or even coexist, coexisting harmoniously. The right tools for the right job. I'll land there. Yeah, and um, you know, particularly for raising children, that's the part that has to be added in. Because once you add that in, I think it helps with who you pick, right? It helps a whole lot, <laughs> and, and it doesn't. Absolutely. It doesn't, and, nothing, and nothing's going to be a guarantee. Nothing's going to be a hundred percent, right? That's just 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 keep it a buck. But 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 we're quite often we're fighting for what we're currently doing, and it's human nature to rationalize what you're currently doing because you, you know you don't want to look bad at yourself. And I'm not saying that we're supposed to be running around here looking bad, but it's just. When you uh, you know I meet the vulnerable of the world, encouraging us to to get into healthy relationships, and I'm always encouraging it. And and I, you know, and unlike yourself, I'm single, never been married. So people are like, why are you always talking about it? And it's just at the end of the day, 
cultures that have this right teach this to their children, and their children get it right the first time. So, you know, if if if, if having to have the experience was was perfect, then second marriages would do better than first marriages. No, it's the culture around it. So I'm free to speak to the culture when I've learned it from people that have got it right. That's how I can find a Vaughn and says, this brother has it right. And, you know, don't listen to me. Let me bring on the expert so you're not just looking at me. But if I'm repeating what he's saying through experience, we need to repeat the right language for the culture. Now, Latrice, we only got a few minutes left, but you've experienced 25 years of marriage and your children being raised in this culture. If you could just highlight the difficulty of trying to pass along the things you wish for them in today's culture, because to a degree, you know, just a little bit, I know today's culture, you know, you know, bit your family as well, because I'm pretty sure your wishes was to create that type of legacy as well. So if you could just mention that in these last couple of minutes before we end the show. Sure. Um, and, and I'll mention it this way. When I look at, um, me getting married as young as I did, I was 20. Um, my um, my then husband, he was, he was 19 when we started dating, 20 when we got married. I was 21 when we got married. Um, I think that it's about knowing yourself. It's about how you're raised. I was raised in a single-parent household. It was my mother and my grandmother. So in a sense, I didn't know what to look for. So I embarked on that relationship not being self-aware of who I was as a woman and what I needed in a relationship and how to love properly and be loved properly in a relationship. So my wish for my children is that I help them learn from my mistakes and help them to – I have one grandchild, and unfortunately my daughter is divorced, but they are able to co-parent effectively, um, which I'm happy to see. So, um, and my grandson is growing up. He's very well adjusted. He he loves both of his parents. There is no discord and disagreement between them. And so, I see his emotional well being as doing very well at this point in time. Beautiful. Um, with my other children, if they are to have children, I hope that they would make certain that they are at the maturity level and that they're self aware enough to know who they should be involved with and how they should be loved, as well as how they should give love. No, I love it. And, and you know, and just hopefully that in how they should be loved, they're also figured out how can, how well is he going to be a father? How well is he, you know, obviously you can't experience it without them being it, but just look, make sure that we're checking for that. We're figuring out what does that look like, having those dialogues, mm-hmm. because, you know, the, how you raise children can be a big thing that breaks up marriages, uh, from what I understand as well. So, Bob, we got a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, brother, you do this for a living, so we would love to get your closing thoughts on today's discussion. I'm actually going to um, extend the show with just a, a clip, um, but, that'll, but that'll be after we in, um, get off the show. So if you will, we've got a, a minute, a couple of minutes. So just give us a closing thought and let people know how they can catch your show and keep up with you. Thank you so much, King, for being on this morning. Thank you, man. And this is a beautiful show, man. And I, and I really appreciate you for putting this platform together because it's very necessary. Um, Again, I think that when we begin to when we learn to begin to see each other as necessary rather than optional mm-hmm. or rather than expendable mm-hmm. or even rather than opposites, right? Begin because that's how we win when we begin to see each other as necessary. Yeah. If we begin to see each other as necessary, we'll begin to treat each other accordingly. 
Um, I can be reached at theconditionsoflove.com. That's www.theconditionsoflove.com. That's my website. You can email me at info at theconditionsoflove.com. I'll give you the same stale joke I gave you last week. I say the conditions of love because unconditional love is for babies and puppies. And I sell Doberman puppies too. So if you want one of those, you can get that. (laughs) But if you're looking for something, if you're looking for healthy interaction between men and women, then you better learn the conditions of that interaction. Um, thanks again for having me, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate the platform, and I appreciate the uh, the, the words of wisdom from the, the women. Absolutely. All well. No, absolutely. You are wonderful. Thank you, Latrice. We'll see you all next Saturday. I'm going to end it with the, the thing I mentioned very briefly was my cut about how men can effectively end the gender war that's growing. The majority of us are not a part of it, but it is growing. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the host of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where all I ask is that you think. Mob Deep famously said, there's a war going on outside no one is safe from. Clearly they were talking about some street issues within hip-hop. But there's an ensuing gender war that I think no one is also safe from. We see black men and black women throughout the community, whether it's on social media, you see it in written articles on TV, having this battle of whether black men are supporting women or whether black women are supporting men. So we are now having an ensuing, growing gender war that is starting to have effects on the strength of the black community and specifically the black family. We understand that systematically the black family has been under attack for a long time with the start of welfare as a lot of people refer to that as the start of, in a sense, having the black man out of the home. Mass incarceration has also been a systematic attack. And so we're now living out the results of black men, generally speaking, not all black men, that are not, in a sense, there for our women. And so in order to end this gender war, we must look at those results and figure out what steps can we take in order to end the gender war. When you think of real wars that happen in real life, you go back and study them, there were steps that were taken to end those wars. Well, in order to end this ensuing gender war within the black community, here are the steps we must take. And it's really the first step that matters the most. I call it the domino. Once this happens, all the other dominoes will fall in place. I did a Mental Dialogue pop-up show recently where I had a brother and we were talking about this very issue. And he was making sure that I understood there are steps that African-American men should be taking to make sure we're not ensuing this battle. And there are steps that black women should be taking. And my challenge to him was, I said, well, the first step is for us as African-American men to own our role in creating this gender war. Let me make it very clear. When I say creating it, I'm not talking about starting it. I'm not talking about the very real agenda that is focused on creating issues that keep us divided, whether it's having our sisters believing that they don't need us and things of that nature. These are the things that we get to battling over. So that agenda is very real. But what happens is, is when we're battling, we never see any reconciliation because both sides are playing the blame game. So because black men are blaming women and women are blaming men, we never see any progress forward. We just see more people getting ensued and caught up in it and less uh, opportunities for us to come together. The reality is this. 
We have 25% of our sisters who are currently married. 33% of our African-American men that are married. These stats come from black demographics. So it's not a stat just put it out there to make us look bad. This is a reality that I feel, again, started with the systematic issue, but now it's being reinforced by an agenda to ensure that we are divided. So if black men would understand that us not being there, that's a real life result. Intentional or unintentional, we started to accept that this is normal in our community for, again, not all men, but for men not being there for their families, whether it be thinking they can sow their wild oats and then eventually do it and have kids by different women and things of that nature. Because that has become normalized, that is why our sisters have been able to get caught up in this agenda that says you don't need him because we haven't been there. And so the first step is us owning that we haven't been there, regardless of why. If we own that first step and start teaching the next generation that the man with the most notches is not the winner. It's the man who finds a wife, gets married, stays married, raises children. That's real wealth. If we start training our young men to take that focus versus what we're currently getting told, if we get men to take that focus, then no agenda can swoop in and tell women that they don't need us because we've been there. We've already we've already ensued and gained the trust that we have. That trust is missing. And so the first step, again, that must happen, it must be our ownership of the, the role that we fail to play. You don't have to take that as blame. It's just a reality now. So in order to fix it, let's start teaching the next generation. It won't be easy, but no other step will happen until that first domino falls.